0: Welcome to the Black and White Podcast, where we seek to filter the gray world around us through God's Word, with radical grace, raw truth, and real hope. I'm Denise Pass, and this month we have been discussing God's presence, how we can be present in His presence and intentional about God's presence in all aspects of our lives. And now today we continue this discussion with Mike Novotny and his book, Three Words That Will Change Your Life. Mike Novotny is a co-pastor at The Core, a downtown church in Appleton, Wisconsin, with a passion to prioritize people who are far from God. As lead speaker for Time of Grace, a media ministry that connected with people more than 54 million times over various platforms in 2019, Mike teaches people to seek God first, see God in all His glory, and be satisfied with God, even if God is all they have. He loves dating his wife and two daughters, continuing his streak of 35 years of playing organized soccer, running long distances even when not being chased, (laughs) and reading anything he can get his hands on. Welcome, and thank you, Mike, for coming on the show.
1: Hey, 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 thank you so much, Denise. It's amazing to be here.
0: Oh, I am so blessed. You know, it has been so many times recently that God has reminded me that He is here. And so I'm excited to unpack your book with everyone. This year, I'm doing this live Bible reading plan every day on Facebook Live. And almost every day, I have uttered these words as God's beautiful presence is tangible in each reading. I've remarked several times about this sweet consolation. Our God is near. Our God is here. The impact of God's presence affects our whole life in eternity. And we have such a gift with the promise God is here. The scripture for this episode is taken from Psalm 73, verses 23 through 26. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward, you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you, and there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you? My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. You know what strikes me in this passage is the opening verse in which David proclaims, I am continually with you. God is here. The three beautiful words your book centers around, and yet we are not always there. We have the presence of God as a beautiful promise, but we don't always choose it. Mike, can you tell us what happens when a person actually believes that God is here?
1: Oh, yeah. Thanks for asking that question. Um, Let me answer that question with a story. So about a month ago, I had a chance to sneak into Israel for a Bible tour I was leading. And uh, unfortunately, with the coronavirus, everything fell apart. I ended up in Israel for a few days um, with 84 people who were not able to join me. Um, But the the funny thing is, on the way to Israel, you know, I had this really long day of travel. Um, If any of your listeners have ever traveled internationally, there's you know, layovers and getting to the airport early. There's multiple flights and I was going to have, I think about 20 to 25 hours of travel ahead of me. So I get to the airport in Chicago and, you know, I'm preparing myself for this, uh, this journey that's ahead. And something happened to me in the Chicago airport that emotionally changed the whole experience. What happened was I met Stanley from the office (laughs) Have you
0: ever
1: seen The Office before?
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) So I'm I'm literally going to my seat at gate, you know, whatever, 23A. And I'm coming up and I stop dead in my tracks. And who is right in front of me? He had a book in his hand, not a crossword puzzle. But it's Stanley. It's (laughs) uh, actor Leslie David Baker. And suddenly that that same place, which was going to be this like boring drag, Turned into this amazing experience that I'm texting all of my friends and try not to be super creepy as I'm over you know, <laughs> my shoulder. So here's my point that a, the right person's presence has power.
0: Mm.
1: You know, I, I still had that long journey. The, the time I had to wait didn't change. But, you know, a person who brought some joy into my life, suddenly, if they were there right here next to me, the whole situation changed, and really, what I wrote this book about was this journey that I've been on with God. That even if the circumstances of our lives don't change, if we can learn to see that through faith in Jesus, God is here, who's you know a million times better than um, than an actor on some great show. Mm-hmm. Then that could actually fill us with excitement, with hope, uh, with joy, with peace, with all these promises that fill the pages of the Scriptures.
0: Mm, You know, uh, one time in high school, I was marching in a parade in Texas, and my dad told me when I got to the corner where he was, he would yell, -ah!" (laughs) (laughs) and so I waited to hear that, and he did, and he just happened to bump into Larry Hagman. You know, I dream of Jeannie. (laughs) So, So what seemed to be like a daunting, hot, sweaty day was suddenly... Oh my goodness, I'm in the presence of this amazing person. Yes. So, what a great analogy. Can you make this practical for us? How is your life different now after focusing on the three words as compared to your life before?
1: Yeah, um, it really is different every single day. And, you know, I'm not giving some book pitch because I've, I'm starting to teach my heart and my mind and my soul to connect as many possible things as I can to the thought of God. So, you know, two big categories for me, I call them uh, this moments. Uh, I know we'll talk about that later. And that moments, Mm. this moments are anything good that happens to me that makes me feel joy. That's exciting, interesting, uh, comfortable, funny, uh, affectionate. Uh, When I tuck my two daughters in at night, uh, when I snuggle up with my wife and watch another episode of The Office, which is, <laughs> has been our core, <laughs> um, when I'm in the middle of a you know great worship service, I hear a great song that comes on the radio. What, I, what I'm training my brain to do is think, "Wow, this moment makes me feel so good." Mm. Just imagine God. I mean, <laughs> if if a little ten year old with pigtails, my daughter, can make me feel this good. How much better must God be Mm. if a song by some Christian artist who is 42 years old and, you know, knows 1% of 1% of what God thinks about in a millisecond. Like, just doing that basic math and logic that, wow, if created things can make me feel so good, just imagine the creator himself.
0: Oh, amen. And there's nothing like being in the presence of God you know, which would make you wonder, why don't we perpetually desire that? Hmm. You, know, you say in your book that misunderstanding the sentence, God is here, can lead to a wasted life, or at the worst, could kill us. You discuss three life killers. Can you share on those?
1: Yeah, um, thanks for that question. When I talk about life killers, I think of life in the biblical sense of essentially being with God. You know, if you're spiritually dead, you're far from his presence. But if you have eternal life, which begins at our conversion, then man, it's right here and it's right now. So the three life killers that try to mess with this blessing every single day for all of us. The first one is instead of to think God is here and I love to put God in all capital letters, we kind of take the caps lock off and we don't think that much of God. Mm. So You know, let's say you were struggling. You, you told me before we began here that you had quite the journey this past month with your own health, right? Yes. You know, if if I said here you're facing this incredible challenge, but don't worry, the the hospital janitor is here. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he'd say, "Well, nice to meet you," but (laughs) that that doesn't make me much more comforted, right? So it's not that just anyone's presence can change you. It has to be someone really good really loving, really beautiful, and really powerful. So when we forget that God is, is better than the best things of life, and when we find more comfort in like friends or family, health, a good job, obedient kids, we're in a whole lot of trouble because all those things are so uncertain and so temporary. And we've lost the one rock solid thing that we have, which is this big, beautiful God. So that's life killer number one. And I think that's why when Jesus taught the Lord's prayer before he even taught us to pray for food or for our own forgiveness, what's the very first thing on his list? Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Mm. Like the, the thought of you, God has to be hallowed. It has to be holy and better and bigger and magnified and more glorious. Because if I don't have that, then all I have are temporary things, which of course are going to make me afraid, uh, fearful, and uncertain. So that's life killer number one. Uh, Life killer number two is when a person believes in this caps lock, glorious, satisfying God, but instead of saying God is here, they think, well, God will be here. So when I finally die, I'll get to be with God. Um, I think that this is actually a mistake that I see pretty often at funerals in, in those little cards that um, you know the funeral home passes out, you got your loved one's picture on the front. Uh, in many Christian cards, it'll say, born to life, and it'll put their birthday, and then born to eternal life, and they'll put the day they died. And actually, that, that's not biblical. The Bible says, um, Jesus brings this up, I think in John chapter five, that when we believe in him, we have been reborn to eternal life right now, that God is with us in this moment. So if, you know, if a person thinks, well, okay, there's this great God. And one day he's going to be with me. I just got to (laughs) wait. I got to wait 30 or 40 or 70 or 87 years on my own. Well, no wonder we get anxious and afraid because God's at the finish line and he's not running the race with us. So that's the second way to like mess with your spiritual life. And finally, the third one is to think, okay, there is this glorious God He is present right now with people, but instead of saying God is here, we think, well, God is over there with those Christians, um, those believers who don't struggle, um, those moms and dads who aren't such a mess at home like I obviously am. Mm. So the devil kind of dupes us into thinking that because we're not worthy of his presence, uh, certainly we don't have it, at least not until we improve or get better. So those are the three big life killers, I think, that get in the way of the power of the promise uh, that I'm unpacking in this book.
0: So good. You know, uh, part of that life killer number three was a sense of shame that separates us from God. And we can let shame or sin define us. And even though we know that God is here, we have to accept his salvation. And the fact that he said there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. I think a lot of believers don't live that reality why do you think we can sometimes allow shame to keep us from one who has offered us grace
1: Mm. oh man yeah that that is a powerful thing to think through Uh, my hunch is that this is so hard to believe that a great god is here with me with you with us because no other relationship has that kind of love um Like, Denise, are you married? Oh, yes. (laughs) What's your husband's name? Can I ask? Clay. Okay. Yeah. So let's imagine Clay uh, comes home today and he is just a total jerk. He's selfish. He's critical. He's complaining. He's not listening to you. And I mean, he does a lot of this, not just once or twice. I'm guessing your gut reaction would be, I need to get out of this house. (laughs) Like I just need some space from this man because that's what sin does, right? It's like this wedge that love draws people together sin pushes them apart and so maybe we just assume as sinners well, man, if, if all of my sins in my entire existence have been committed against God alone how is it possible that he could be here with me? My husband would run my friends would run everyone would run if I treated them this way So I'm just going to assume, because it seems logical, that God would run to. So it really takes the persistent promise of the gospel, which we really only find in the scriptures themselves, to convince us that, wow, yep, a God that good, who does know all of your sin, he is still committed through the blood of Jesus to be right here with his people.
0: Mm, I think it centers around a word, belief, as well, because what if we really believed God is here? And you may say, well, a lot of people may be listening saying, I do believe it. But see, our actions demonstrate the depth of our belief. If We really believe that his grace is sufficient for us. We, we say we believe in God's goodness, in his saving power, that he is present. But we don't live like it so often. Why do you think this is, Mike?
1: Hmm. Yeah, my pastor would say all the time, every Christian is at the same time, both a sinner and a saint. So through faith in Jesus, we, we do believe we are saved. We are his children. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. We are forgiven. And at the same time, there's this part of our hearts that ignores God, that minimizes God, that's drawn to the short-term pleasure of sin. And, you know, um, Galatians 5 talks about this. The flesh desires what's contrary to the spirit and the spirit what's contrary to the flesh. They're at war with each other. So I think that's what it comes down to. There's part of our hearts that absolutely believes that God is good and he's here with us, but there's a whole nother part of our hearts that's fighting against that every single day. And until we die that that part of us will never be completely gone. And so this is the the daily struggle of the Christian life to remember what's true, what's biblical, what's Mm -hmm. ours through Christ. And to tell that other sinful voice in our hearts, no, stop, stop lying to me. That's not true. I'm going to fix my thoughts on Jesus, the author and perfecter of my faith.
0: Yes, we struggle like Paul. There's this duplicitousness that we have as part of us is saying, yes, I'm all for you, God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and in the next minute, you know, uh, wait a minute, who's God? But <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, And we also believe lies and run to more tangible gods, which keeps us from living it out. Life is a continual battle against sin, as you were just talking about, and the lies that keep us from God. And we were talking about our biggest problem at the top of this show, being that we think so little of God. There is this cavity in our soul that craves what is enough, and God alone is enough. But we can be so easily satisfied with lesser things. Why does man not think more of God's name and of His presence?
1: Hmm. Um Can I blame Facebook? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, it struck me. In Romans 10, verse 17, Paul says that faith comes from hearing the message. And uh, it struck me recently that that's true, not just with Christian faith, but with faith or belief in anything. So if I I hate that my iPhone, it tells me at the end of every day how many, uh, (laughs) have you noticed this? It tells you how many hours and minutes that you spent on it.
0: I have not noticed that.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. It is a depressing statistic. So don't, don't, don't.
0: <laughs> You've ruined me.
1: God. Yeah. And it will just tell you, here's how much time today you spent on this app, uh, on this one, on this one, on this one. And so, you know, if for hours and hours each day, we're hearing this message about temporary things, about earthly pleasure, there's nothing about God. And then we, you know, maybe sneak in a little distracted, quiet time for 10 or 30 or 60 minutes, um, you know, it's not shocking that we don't think a ton of God and we think a ton of other things because faith and focus comes from hearing a message. So the question is, what message are we feeling most in our hearts?
0: Mm. You describe God's glory as part of a concept you call this, and you alert, alluded to that earlier. Can you describe this
1: Yes, I can. Actually, uh, (laughs) as people have read uh, this book, Three Words, this is the concept, and it's the idea that they talk about more than anything else. So this is just a one-word way to take any good thing and think about a God thing. So let me make it super concrete. So I get up this morning. I live in northern Wisconsin. I have flannel sheets. So, you know, I'm snuggled up in my flannel sheets with my pillow. I wake up and I just enjoy the warmth, the comfort, the safety of that moment. And I tell myself, this, this is a little glimpse of God. In in his arms, which are way better than flannel sheets, I'm going to feel so safe. I'm going to be so comfortable. I'm going to be so secure. (laughs) You know, some flannel sheets make me feel like this. Just imagine God. And then I see my my girls, um, my youngest daughter Maya. She's addicted to sloths, so <laughs> I <laughs> go into her room. She has her homemade sloth pajamas on. Uh, Denise, I'm not exaggerating. I think she has 22 sloth stuffed animals that <laughs> barely oh fit in my bed. She has these little pigtails she always wears, and she is my snuggly, physically affectionate kid. Um, so I sit down, I kiss her on the forehead. She gives me a big hug. And, you know, I just feel so good. I feel so loved. Um, I feel her affection, her pleasure. And I think, man, if if a little human can make me feel like this, imagine God's love. Um, I try to do the same for her. I say, oh my goodness, Maya, do you know how much your daddy loves you? I'd do anything for you. And daddy's just a guy. Imagine how much God loves you. So, you know, you can take uh, peanut butter, a fresh jar, Dark chocolate, a good steak, falling in love, the thrill of a last-second basket, anything good, exciting, just do the simple math and remind yourself, wow, God is even better than this. And now suddenly you have, what, 10, 20, 100, 500 opportunities every single day to think about God, even if your Bible isn't open in front of your eyes.
0: Mm. So good. You know, it has been a joy to have you today and I would love to continue this discussion next week. I hope that you can come back.
1: I'd love to be back. Thanks. <laughs>
0: awesome. Well, next week we will continue our discussion of Mike Novotny's book, Three Words That Will Change Your Life. Leave a comment to be entered to receive a free copy of his book. And you can find Mike at his website. What's your website, Mike?
1: Best place would be timeofgrace.org backslash three words. You can find the best uh, resources to get the book.
0: Awesome. The raw truth is that when we are satisfied with lesser things, we will never know true satisfaction. The radical grace is when we follow after God's little g rather than the one true God, God still invites us to draw near. And the real hope is we were made to enjoy God, and He is enough for every need we have. You've been listening to the Black and White Podcast, where we filter life through the Bible and live life in the freedom of truth.